What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I'm Ben Bolin. Scott, you know... You've heard the name Mario Andretti before, right? Of course I've heard of Mario yeah. Andretti. Now, he's a legend in racing. Absolutely. In fact, you know what? The Andrettis are, uh, some people call them, you know, automotive racing royalty, I guess. There's mm-hmm. a couple of families that, you know, get that designation, like the Petties, maybe in NASCAR. Sure. And, um, you know, the, of course, the Andrettis in, uh, well, IndyCar and Formula One, really, in mm-hmm. a lot of circles. Um, but, yeah, the, he's he's been around. He's done a lot of things, Ben. Well, I think that before we go into the meat of this podcast, it'd be a good idea to hear some of the big wins that Mario Andretti has had in his life. Okay, well, you know, there's, there's one glaring opening here that you'll notice later on as we talk about it but uh but over his career he's had a lot of success i mean i mean just incredible amounts of success and in fact he's he's won the indycar championship four times in a row well, not in a row but four times um in 1978 he was actually the f1 world champion mm-hmm. and uh he was the first american to ever win that very nice yep yeah. and uh now he's also an iroc winner that's the international race of champions uh winner in 1978 and 79 he's the only driver uh to win the indy 500 the daytona 500 and then f1 i'm, I'm thinking f1 championship world championship right. yeah. um now indy 500 as we'll find out that was 1969 yes uh, so that's a big vent a big win um he's had a 109 career wins total which is huge that's a lot of races mm-hmm. by the way a mm-hmm. lot of wins uh, he's the first driver ever to exceed 200 miles per hour at Indianapolis, and he did, did that during a practice session um, way back in 1977 at Indianapolis. Um, that's a big deal to break a, a barrier like that. I mean, the next one to be broken will be the 300-mile-per-hour barrier, right? <laughs> right. Um, and let's see. Man, there's just a ton of things. that He's also uh, members of all of these. The Indianapolis Motor Speedway Hall of Fame, 
the International Motorsports Hall of Fame, the Motorsports Hall of Fame of America, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame, uh, the Automotive Hall of Fame, and he's also been the driver of the year three times. He was the Indy 500 Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got just this enormous resume of, of victories and um, achievements, and yet, Ben, the man's only won Indianapolis once. Which leads some people to say that Mario Andretti, indeed the Andretti dynasty, is cursed. Yeah, this is, uh, now, it's not just Mario, and we'll, we'll get into mm-hmm. that, I promise, but, uh, now Mario, man, I mean, he's had something like, uh, I want to say 29 starts, is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, at Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's been there since 1965, I believe. Right. And he raced all the way up until, I think it was, what, ni- early 2000s, I think. Um, I'll, I'll, I promise mm-hmm. I'll get to it, mm-hmm. but, um, he, he raced a long, long, oh, 94 was his last one, and then he came back again, but, um, he only won this race one time. And, and, you know, that may not sound like anything terrible, but then you realize that he's got other family members that the same situation has fallen to. They haven't even won once. And out of, I think it's a total of, oh my gosh, this number is amazing. Something like, I want to say, I've seen anywhere from 65 to 67 cumulative starts at Indianapolis for the 500 race. Yep. One victory, and that's his in 1969. So you can see there's something going on here. There's a, there's this long, horrible string of, we'll call it bad luck. Yeah. Uh, bad luck at Indianapolis for the Andretti family, all of the Andretti family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Mario Andretti, uh, Andretti Sr., he uh, got close a couple of times after 1969. But what I think is interesting about this about this curse idea, and I am using finger quotes here, we'll do a little bit of myth-busting in the course of this podcast, it is not as though some shadowy coven of witches or something got angry at him and did some sort of boil, boil, toil and trouble stuff. Uh, it's close. <laughs> okay, I, I was wondering if you were going to bring this up. So, all right, let's start there. Scott, what is the other name for the Andretti curse? Oh, it's also the uh, the uh, Granatelli kiss. And uh, <laughs> uh, this, or is there another name that you? No, that's seen? the one. That's there's exactly several. One. I mean, and that's Andy Granatelli. And Andy Granatelli was the. The uh, the owner of the team in 1969 when Mario did win. Now, remember, he tried a couple of times before this even, but um, Andy Granatelli, and I feel we just have to mention him a bit. Yeah. He's, he's, at this point, as far as I know, he's still alive. He's 91 years old. Mm-hmm. And he was born in 23, yeah, I think. Yeah, 23, early in 23. Um, he was the CEO of STP, which is um, Scientifically Treated Petroleum, not the uh, not the band, STP. Okay. I, I have an STP shirt, and people ask me that all the time. Is that is that the band, or is that, you know, the whatever, <laughs> So um, he was an auto mechanic. He was a uh, speed shop owner. Um, he's also an automobile show promoter. So he did, you know, like some of these, uh, like, uh, racing daredevil type shows mm-hmm. that he was a promoter for. A uh, very theatrical guy. Yeah. Um, yeah Motorsports Hall of Fame member. Um, also the uh, the Sprint Car Hall of Fame member. And uh, he sponsored, let's see, Richard Petty and NASCAR, of course, the SDP car that you would recognize as well. Um, he's also... Um, the uh, the owner of a chain of stores that later became CarQuest Auto Parts. So that's Andy Granatelli. Now he's a uh, you know he was up until very recently uh, you know the heavy hitter in the automotive world yes. in, in racing circles. And uh, can I can I just say one more quick thing yeah, here yeah. about Andy because yeah. I can't let this pass. Okay. 
he wrote a book, and I think it's called. Uh, I'm gonna off the top of my head. It's like Call Me Mister Five Hundred. I think is the name of it, <laughs> and it's because of his involvement with the race, right? Yeah. Well, if you look at any of the photos of Andy Granatelli from around the 1960s with you know the STP team, um, he he wears a white suit, Ben, that has STP logos all over it. Yeah. And uh, it looks. Ridiculous! It's so funny. It's it's kind of cool now looking back at it, but it's so funny and it stood out so much. And his team mm-hmm. wore what looked like STP pajamas uh, because there were these jumpers that had the STP logo all over them. I mean, you know, fifty or a hundred logos on these things. Uh, it's very funny. It's worthwhile to look up, you know, the Andy Granatelli STP suit uh, mm-hmm. just to see it. But the 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 origin of this whole thing, where people say this curse happened, was, you know. Finally, you know, after four years, really, um, Mario gets a win at Indianapolis 500, and that's that's significant, you know. Right. The crowd goes wild. It's 1969, and the owner Granatelli overcome with uh, excitement at, at this big win for his team. Uh, runs up and uh, Andretti's getting out of the vehicle. Yeah. Victory circle. Victory circle, and uh, plants a big old smooch on. Uh, of uh, Mario Andretti kisses him right on the cheek. Yeah, and you know you can see photos of the actual moment. You know when this is happening. You know Andretti's just out of the car. He's you know face is all dirty and everything with the goggles on and everything. And um, he plants a great big kiss right on his cheek. And uh, a lot of people point to this moment, this very moment, as the moment when the Andretti curse began. Yes, and that's why you'll hear this sometimes referred to as. <laughs> Granatelli's kiss, which still which still makes me laugh when I hear about it. But um, with that iconic moment in mind, the story of the curse goes that ever since that kiss or that moment, uh, no one in the Adretti family could win first place at the Indy 500. But but there's a long long delay between when they actually started calling it a curse yes. and and when it actually maybe had began you know in this night after 1969 because of course he had a victory so that's you know a positive right right well it wasn't until like maybe the 1986 1987 area when uh, ABC Sports started to mention something about what they would call the Andretti curse mm-hmm. and you know just kind of offhandedly you know like maybe uh is he going to overcome this curse this year that he's had right. since 1969 so we're talking about a long long time and he's been he's been entered every year with the exception of 1979 um in the race so you know he's had many 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 opportunities at this point and um I think it was Tom Carnegie you you pointed to an article right that um there was an interview between um Andretti and was it Car and Driver I think it was oh, right Oh yeah yeah in Car and Driver he talks about uh Mario Andretti himself talks about some of the interesting things about the um about this huge idea I mean of the course the supposed curse the supposed curse and he doesn't agree with it uh being called a curse right Yeah we got a good chuckle out of this because he mentioned his uh his friend um Tom Carnegie mm-hmm. who was the race announcer at the track uh you yeah. know you can hear his he can hear his pipes on any of the uh, the old video clips or film clips rather of uh, of races from from years past i mean going way back into the 60s 70s maybe even the late 50s i don't remember when he started but uh, tom carnegie mm-hmm. famously known as the voice of the the 500 he called it a curse yeah and he would uh he had all these trademark phrases that rec- that racing fans will recognize like he's on it it's a new track record or as they point out in the interview 
Mario is slowing. Yeah, that's right. And, and then, you know, of course, he came up with this idea that, you know, this mm-hmm. is a curse. Yeah. And, uh, you know, ABC, again, kind of latched on to that, that there's possibly this curse. Now, Mario, though, in that interview, you and I, this is what we laughed about, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. He had an interesting spin on this whole idea of a curse. Yeah. Uh, said They said that... Um in one of the one of the questions, your last appearance at Indy was spectacular. April two thousand three crash when you were testing a car, hit debris, and the car just launched. And he said that's an example of why I think I've been totally blessed mm. rather than cursed. Uh, that triple somersault landed me back on all four wheels. I've done maybe one hundred thousand miles at Indy between all the testing and the racing, and to be able to walk away with no <laughs> major incidents, I consider that a blessing. He calls not that a not a major incident. Have you seen that wreck from two thousand three? Yes, it's yes. incredible. It's caught from a helicopter only they didn't have for whatever reason it was a right. practice session so no one is really taping this um it's an amazing he's higher than the catch fence at yeah one it point looks in like car. the car is practicing parkour it's incredible it's an absolutely incredible wreck and that's again he was just testing a vehicle he wasn't even really entered in the race that year or not but uh, rather but yeah um anyways he so he spins this in that it's not a curse and it's a blessing, really, that, you know, they haven't had any family deaths. They've had no major injuries other than, you know, a broken leg here or there. Yeah, no debilitating permanent Exactly, injuries. exactly. And then, you know, this spans to their whole family. So in a way, I understand what he's saying. And we said, you know, 65 or 67 or however many it is mm-hmm. now, it's up there. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you can always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading, up, down, or steady. It can also alert you before you go too low or when you're going too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see like more time and range in lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. 
Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Um, we're approaching 70 quickly. Oh, for the uh, total number of racing for the Andretti? Exactly. And if Indy you break starts. it down, I mean, I've got a rough, yeah. I got rough numbers here. Okay. But, uh, let's say that Mario himself has done, uh, it, let's say 29 attempts, I think it is, mm-hmm. um, between 1965 and 1994. Um, Michael, somewhere in the neighborhood of 16 attempts. Now, Michael is, uh, Mario's son. And uh, he's uh, also team owner of Andretti Green Racing, and then later, I think it's just, there's an Andretti Racing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know what? I'm going to get ahead of myself here, so let's just go through and list them. But okay. Marco Andretti, seven attempts. Jeff Andretti, three attempts. John Andretti, seven attempts. You can see that, you know, they're not they're not giving up on Indianapolis. They're trying to win. It's right. just for whatever reason, this one race has eluded them since 1969. Yeah, and uh, this the the problem here is that they've had some tantalizing brushes. Yeah, with a win, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now I'm going to start with Mario. Okay, and I will go through, and I promise I'm going to make this fast. But you know, the 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 the, uh, the guys that I just mentioned, the uh, the five members of the Andretti family that have given it a shot at Indy, mm-hmm. I will quickly go through, and I'm I'm going to real fast just go through. I won't describe all this at all, but um, like in starting with Mario, why not? Um, Dropped out after 27 laps with a bad valve. 1967, loses a wheel. Uh, 1968, uh, bad piston, drops out. So he gets into a, a backup car, you know, driving a, driving um, this relief car for the teammate. Another right. bad piston, and he drops out just, you know, 24 laps later. Uh, 1969, that's the victory. That's the big year, right? Yeah, but during practice, uh, he had a wreck, and he burned it. He was burned fairly severely. I think, you know, I think we, that was the one where his twin brother, Aldo, sat in for all the photos, right? Yes. And uh, I thought he had crashed maybe his Formula One car. I'm not sure. I'm not convinced that it was his Indy car. But anyways, yeah, you're right. That was the uh, that was the the odd year with the the Aldo pictures instead mm-hmm. of Mario. Um, 1971, he wrecked a, you know wrecked a car. Um, 1972, out of gas. Then there's I'll just go through bad piston, bad valve, <laughs> um, bad spark plug wires. Uh, there's a wreck again in '75. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, then then there's oh this is an interesting one, Ben. Um, in 1981, he had the Indy 500 victory for about a day. Yeah, so in 1981, he gets very close. He finishes second to Bobby Unzer. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, but, but later... Yeah, the following day, right? Uh-huh. Later, uh, Unzer is penalized one lap for passing under the yellow flag. This is incredible. So they give the win to Mario for one day. And then the Penske team, actually maybe a little bit longer because the Penske team, uh, who was the the team owner for Unzer, appealed the decision. Oh, and so it's 4 months later. It's 4 I thought it was soon, but it was 4 mm-hmm. months later. Uh the race was restored to uh, uh Unzer as the winner, so they they stripped Mario of his victory again. So for 4 months the poor guy's thinking that he won another one. Um here in 1981. And uh, not the case. Which and irritates me because four months, there should be a statute of limitations on racing decisions like that. Oh, I like know. That. And I, I'll, again, I'll quickly go through yeah, these. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, that's all right. 1982, uh, there's this wreck. And I, I swear to you, Ben, you got to watch this wreck. The, the beginning of the 1982 race, this is something unlike you'll see in any other race ever. It's incredible to watch happen. Ooh. But Kevin Kogan uh, crashes with A.J. Foyt. Takes out Mario Andretti, and he's, it looks like half the field. Yeah. Uh, before the green flag even flies, there's a red flag, and uh, of course AJ Foyt's furious, and Andretti's furious. He's shoving it; they're shoving each other. Yeah. After the wreck, and you can hear Andretti. You know, with the, he's just frustrated and he's mad. But anyways, there's in seventy, in eighty three, there's a wreck. 
um, gosh, just on and on and on. Like there's electrical failures, there's mm-hmm. throttle problems, engine yeah. problems, uh, bad handling, mechanical year problems. Year by year, by the way. <laughs> all the way through, right? Okay, so, all right, man, here we are. We're up to Michael, where Michael Andretti, who okay. is his son, is yeah. now attempting, right? So, you know, he's going to give it a go for the family here. Michael's going to take the victory, right? And he's starting in 1985. You would, Yeah, exactly. And what's interesting is, I just remember 80, the 82 race I just mentioned? Yeah. He's teammates with Kevin Kogan. I can imagine. Can you imagine the the tension between 1982 and 1985? Uh, you know, in the pits, I guess, if Mario and Kevin are in the same pits, you know, just being that his son is racing on the same team, mm-hmm. I can't imagine what that would have been like. I didn't. I didn't realize that until just this morning. No, uh, he didn't have it that bad in that first race. Uh, it was his second 500 mile race there, uh, and he got in eighth eighth place. Yeah, not bad. Not, not bad. Not so, too bad. So you know, again, he was right in there. 1984, I think, prior to that, it was rookie year. He had a fifth-place finish, so he did even better. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, again, the same thing befalls him. You know, the, the, the uh, He just has this, this string of bad luck. Yeah. I mean, he drops out to CV joint failure. There's uh, mm-hmm. bad pit stop strategy. Yeah, bad pit stop strategy in 86. Uh, 87, he's got the CV joint failure. Uh, his engine blows on the front stretch in 1989. Uh, let's see, a brake fire in 1990 forces him <laughs> it out. It just goes on and on, mm-hmm. Ben. It's like this. It's amazing. And, you know, the, the thing is, he thought he was going to win. You know, there's so many times when he actually ran a really good race. And something happened at and the he, end. And he had to settle for second place. He had to settle for fifth place. He had to settle for whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of people have said about Michael Andretti that he's probably the best driver who has never won the Indy 500. Yeah, you'll hear that a lot. And uh, specifically, I think what you're referring to, Scott, is uh, something like the 1991 race. He had a half a lap lead over second place, and then with 11 laps to go, the fuel pump blows. Do you see what I mean, Ben? <laughs> now, I, when I sent you this a long time ago, yeah. we, we had this idea that we were going to do this podcast. Yeah, right? we've been and, stewing on this one. And I wrote to him, I said, you know, there, there's this Andretti curse thing, and I know it sounds kind of funny, but really look into the numbers and what happens and, and go through it year by year, and you'll see this <laughs> pattern emerge that you can't explain. It's yeah. so odd the things that happen to the Andretti family there. I mean, I know that, I know that that's going to happen occasionally, mm-hmm. but is it going to happen sixty-seven times to the same family? Right. It's like statistically, at what point does this become unbelievable? Yeah. Especially with such with such um, dominating drivers. In two thousand, he gets even closer. This is Michael because uh, he. If the race had not been stopped for rain, Scott, he would have won. Mm-hmm. That's what most people believe. You know, that's and that happened again as a team owner because he he you know finished driving around two thousand one. I think his final race, actually rather his last race, he thought was going to be um, two thousand three. Yeah, he said it was going to be his last race. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll find out later that he comes back for uh, two thousand seven. I'm sorry, two thousand five and seven. Uh, but he does come back even as a team owner, mm-hmm. and here is where the Andrettis do have a, a, a small amount of success, right? Because as a team owner, he's very successful there, Michael Andretti is, because he has they have won Indianapolis um, um, as, a, as a team owner. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that's, that's something, I guess, in the Andretti win category, right? Um, but the problem is that, you know, both of his drivers the year after have both, uh, you know, taken yeah. off to another team right afterwards. But, uh, but you know... Still, that's that's a victory in my book. Well, and let's also go to Marco's son. Uh, that's Michael's son, so it's Mario's grandson. Uh, Michael, 
as I think we may have mentioned, comes out of retirement to race with his son. Mm -hmm. And uh, this, let's see, this is mid-2000s here. And uh, Marco is maybe going to finally break the curse. Yeah, it's 2005. Yeah, three laps to go. He passes his father, and uh, he takes a pretty impressive lead. But... Up creeping behind comes Sam Hornish Jr. Yeah. And he catches him on the final lap. Now, this is one that we talked about in our best lap laps. Yeah, uh, yeah. Best last laps episode. Right, because this is the second closest finish in Indy 500 history. Yeah, it was an incredible pass right there at the end, and it was a real nail-biter right to the, the, the last second. You think as a, as a rookie what a great story this is going to be. Right. I mean, it was all set up that he was, you know, hopefully going to be uh, mm-hmm. going to be the winner, but uh, he just lost, I mean, right at the finish line. Um, so, unfortunately, Marco didn't win that one. And Marco, who is, again, that's Michael's son. Yeah. Um, he is continuing, unfortunately, he's continuing this thing. I mean, right up until right up until 2012, as we'll find out, because I've got a quick little thing on 2012. But um, 2006, you just mentioned. I, I think it was 2006, not five. Um, and then in 2007, he was caught up in a big crash with Dan Weldon, uh, flipped upside down, you know, wasn't injured really all that mm-hmm. seriously. Um, in 2008, he was the fastest car at the track. Um, however, uh, they made some adjustment to his wing at the end of the race and uh, just made him non-competitive. He was only able to get, like, maybe third place, I think it was, yeah, in, in 2008. Uh, 2009, again, first turn, first lap, so he's involved in a crash. Um, doesn't even make it to turn two in the first, in, you know, the, the first lap. So, again, Marco is continuing this thing. And do you see what I mean, Ben? This is just yeah. on and on and on. And then there's Jeff. Yeah, I was going to say, don't, don't stop now. I'm buddy. not going to. I'm, I'm, I'm getting near the end. I mean, people are probably yeah. getting, you know, fatigued by hearing no, all this. No, people are waiting for us to mention the I, rest of these. Jeff, there's Jeff, who is Mario's, um, Mar- Mario's son. So, you know, in addition to Michael, he has Jeff. Um, so it's Michael's brother. He only gives it three shots. In 1991, he finished in 15th place. In 1992, he had a wreck due to a rear wheel uh, hub that broke off during the race. Mm-hmm. Um, so he spun out and had a wreck there. Um, in 1993, that was his last 500. He crashed out again. Um, and that was after a tough day, too. I mean, it was just a, he had he had been the first driver to spin out in these warm-up lanes that they had um, had just installed. So that was kind of an embarrassment as mm-hmm. well. Um, just bad news. And then Jeff isn't the last one. Yeah, let's mention, uh, remember we said Aldo Andretti, Mario's twin brother? Well, he has a son named John. And John also has a good career in motorsports and a bad career with the Indy 500. I will say a dismal Indy 500 career, just as mm-hmm. just as all other Andrettis have. Um, now, I mean, aside from you know the the one victory in '69 and yeah. then the two as team owner, which I'm just now looking at, um, the the team owner wins came with uh, in 2005 and 2006, I believe. Yes, um, so, I, th- I think that's right. Oh, so, man. Eight, 1988, uh, John drops out due to engine failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, he spun exiting the pits in '89. Uh, ignition failure. 1990, uh, suspension damage. 1991, um, he, through 94, he finished, but he wasn't what they would call a factor in the race. Um, he lost his mirror in 2007 and crashed a little bit before halfway through. <laughs> this is so bad. Uh, in 2008, uh, was a tough race. No huge engine problems, but it wasn't competitive. In 2009, uh, he had to qualify on bump day. 
Yep, and so he just wasn't uh, he wasn't even on the lead lap when they finally finished the race. He finished 19th. Ooh. Now, I mentioned, you know what? I keep going back and forth on this. I do yeah. have the number now. Oh, good. Michael's team has won twice, in 2005 with driver Dan Weldon, and then again in 2007 with Dario Franchitti. Um, so those, you know, he... He count he himself counts those as wins at Indy. Um, I kind of do too. I kind of see that as a as an Andretti success at Indy. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, do you see what I'm talking about, Ben? In this thing, there's this there's this black hole around Indianapolis for the Andretti family, and they can't get out of it. They just can't. They can't win. They can't pull off a victory there for some reason. Out of we we mentioned 60 plus starts, we're nearing 70, and uh, you know th- this goes right up until 2012 oh, because. Wait. Oh, what? Before we get to 2012. You got something to tell me? If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you can always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading, up, down, or steady. It can also alert you before you go too low or when you're going too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see like more time and range in lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between, like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly. How much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Now, Scott, as we have moved bravely into the future of books that aren't on paper, let's move bravely into the future of the Andretti's, or at least the recent past. Yeah, the very recent past, because this is last year's race, the 2012 race. And uh, again, man, can you believe it? The uh, the Andretti curse comes up once again uh, with Marco, who is, uh, again, that's Mario's grandson, mm-hmm. uh, Michael's son. Um, now, with only 13 laps to go, he crashes out in turn one when he had a shot at the win. Now, I, I think he had kind of a rough day, but he was battling back and, uh, again, trying to make a 
the pass in turn one, ended up in 24th place, you know, in the 24th place. That, that's after starting fourth in the race. And I think somebody had mentioned to him at the end, you know, when, when are you going to snap this curse? And he said, you know what? I don't believe in the curse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, it's, it's noted again, again in yeah. 2012. He says, I don't believe in the curse. I just don't know what it is. I don't know how we're going to get it, you know, paraphrasing. I don't know what's happening here. Um, so it's like, they know it. They know, and you know that that interview with Car and Driver where Mario was, you know, talking about the curse and you know yeah. how he spins it as a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're well aware of what's going on and what people are saying about it. But man, I, I really think that if people look into the details of this uh, ap- approaching, you know, seventy starts at Indianapolis and find out, you know, what's happened to the Andrettis all along the way. There's some really strange, strange things happening there, and I'm not, I'm not buying into the whole curse thing. Right. I just think it's bad luck, and I mean, yeah, you know, sometimes of course it's driver error and things like that, but over and over and over again, Ben, it's just mm-hmm. too much of a coincidence. And a lot of these things are, a, lo- a lot of these things that break the race for uh, an Andretti driver are going to be things that are beyond the driver's control. Yeah, and that's been, what's weird. And they've been so close so many times. And then, you know, like these odd things will happen where they're really fast, they qualify fast, they start the race, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, the car's just not running well. Nothing happened to it between qualifying and the race day, and the car just doesn't run the same as it did in qualifying. You know, it could be atmospheric conditions, could be anything, but mm-hmm. it's just not running the way it should, and there's no good explanation for it at all. And we're going to... Um we're going to be over the moon when the quote-unquote curse is finally broken because it sounds like both of us think this is just bad luck. It is. It's unusual, um, not because it's just bad luck, but it's unusual because these are superior drivers. Yeah. You yeah. know. Now, see, I would love to say Marco is going to snap this thing pretty soon. He's going to win Indy 500, and it's going to be a great day, right? I would love to say that. What's going to break though? But you know how many people. <laughs> You know, after watching Andretti for 25 years, said uh-huh. Mario's going to break this thing. He's going to win it sometime. He's going to snap this curse. He's going to win it. You know, before uh, 1994 when he finally retires. You know, they they were sure he was going to win at some point because that's just too long to go without a win at, at one. You know, for this one race, mm-hmm. and yet he was successful everywhere else. Every other race. Yeah, every other race, every other track, every other every other group, every other, you know, and he's just a, a successful guy and that's why he gets the, you know, the notoriety that he does. He's uh, again, he's one of the uh supposed automobile or automotive royalty, mm-hmm. you know, these these racing families. Um I just don't get it, Ben. I don't. I don't understand. And I really do hope that uh, that someday soon Marco steps up and and wins the Indy 500. Maybe this year. But but then again, been saying that since 1965, yeah, right? Maybe 10 years from now, we'll be saying maybe this year. Um, before before we head into uh, some listener mail, Scott, I wanted to uh, read one part of this uh, interview that was just fascinating to me. And it's not really related, but it's one of the biggest questions that you can ever ask a, a legend mm-hmm. uh, like Mario Andretti. Car and driver in this interview asked him, um, is there anything you would do differently in your career? And he had one. Oh, he uh, had one. He had a regret. Well, I think he had... Let me... I'll read the quote. Okay. So, uh, so Andretti says, There are a couple decisions I would have changed. After winning the F1 title for Lotus, example, 
for example, I had a choice of driving for Alfa Romeo or McLaren, and I should have gone with McLaren instead of Alfa. Other than that, I would have minimized the mistakes I made. But really, look at the span of my career, and it's something people dream about. And to be spared major injury, I had some moments along the way, but being able to retire on my own terms after having driven those decades when safety conditions were more precarious than today, am I lucky or what? Hmm. And I think that's a pretty cool way to end this because, you know, yes, the Indy 500 has been bad luck since 1969 for the Andretti's. But um, in comparison to the, especially Mario Andretti's just profoundly groundbreaking career uh, and the length of it, and as he said, no major injuries, I think I have to agree with Mario. He's a very, very lucky driver. I think, I, you know what, I absolutely agree. I mean, I just wish that they could get over this this hump and win this and win this one race, but, um, you know, when you look at everything that he's done, the, the, like you said, the span of his career, everything that he's been, been involved with and the times that he was involved with them, you know, when F1 was terribly dangerous to be involved in and, mm-hmm. and IndyCar was terribly in- dangerous as well um, I think he's he, his whole family has been very lucky I mean you, you don't drive 230 miles an hour you know for you know hundreds of thousands of miles cumulative you know all these guys yeah. um, and and come away you know alive for no good reason I mean there's a lot of skill involved but uh, I think there's a lot of good luck involved there as well because sometimes things happen that you just you can't avoid and uh, they've been very very fortunate yeah. Also, uh, Mario Andretti, huge F1 fan, thinks that uh, it needs to be more uh, prevalent in the United States. He oh, good. Says F1 is underestimating the U.S. fan base. So he's a big proponent of this thing, and hopefully, uh, you know, we'll get more F1 races here in the states. Yeah, that's it. We'll hopefully we'll see that. Um, hopefully, we will see more F1 races here. And an Andretti uh, winning the Indy 500. That would be nice. Hopefully this year. Why not? Yeah, maybe bookend it nicely, make it 2019 so it's a decade thing. But I I hope every year, just just because I feel like it is. Why not? It's statistically weird. Do you want to do some listener mail? I would. Okay, this comes from uh, our buddy and superfan Aaron Cooper. Uh, Aaron Cooper, you know, has talked to us uh, various ways, and he is a fan of several House of Work shows. So, hello, Aaron. And uh, he says, this is in no way car related, but I'm listening to the Henry Ford Fan Mail podcast right now. I just thought I'd mention that here in our small rural town in Kansas, the local furniture store and funeral home have been owned and operated by the same family since way back. I don't know if they were ever located in the same building. I think it's a combination that was just the norm back then. Hmm. Now maybe this has something to do with what you said, where it's not all that unusual, and that you know that cabinet making I think was uh, mm-hmm. or furniture making, and, yeah. you know all that, that. speculation on yeah, my part. Yeah, it seems like that's a good match. So uh, maybe it's not all that unusual in a small town for something like this to happen. Yeah, and uh, this this email refers to our episode on um, on whether or not bank robbers really wrote fan mail to Henry Ford and yeah. we talked about a very interesting thing there we won't spoil it for you you'll have to listen to it if you have well can already. I say who it was about yes yeah. Bon- well, of course it was Bonnie and Clyde and uh, as well as John Dillinger right who maybe maybe didn't write to Henry Ford about their uh, their Ford automobiles yeah so if you want to hear the answer to that go ahead and tune in we'll also you'll also learn a little bit more about combination furniture stores and funeral homes um so we're gonna head out we hope that everybody enjoyed uh this episode on the andretti curse and let us know what you think uh yeah 
yeah. l- dig into it, look at the list for yourself. Because, I mean, I know we went rapid fire through the list, yeah. but uh, but look at the list and really focus on it and, and make your own mind up. I mean, decide what you think, because there's something going on there. Yeah, and uh, let us know also if you've heard of any other racing curses. Uh, we would like to hear from you on our Facebook page. You can drop us a line on Twitter and uh, let's see, Scott, we have an email address, right? That's right, and it's carstuffdiscovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly. How much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.